Genesis 32, beginning in verse 9, Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Let's bow our heads together tonight. Heavenly Father, we're grateful, Lord, for all that you give us. Father, we could thank you every day for the rest of our lives and even throughout eternity, Father, and it would not be enough to demonstrate the gratitude that we should feel, Father, for all that you have given. Help us, Lord, who you have made worthy, to count you worthy of everything that we have within us and anything you could ask of us, Father. Help us to keep our perspective appropriate, and thank you for all that you do. Bless this word to our hearts tonight, Father. Help us to consider it well, I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this is, well, right kind of in the middle of Jacob's story, and I do love these stories in the Bible. I do love the ones that the stories are about in the Bible, those ones of great faith and great victory and great triumph, and to a certain extent, I even enjoy those stories. Uh, enjoy might not be the right word, but to a measure I enjoy those stories of even failure that takes place. Um, I enjoy reading and considering these ones who we can identify with, for better or for worse. And I enjoy reading about those ones that I have nothing in common with, again, for better or for worse. Now, that being said, naturally speaking, I look at Jacob and I think, I don't have a whole lot in common with this man. He was raised... Well, thousands of miles away from where I've been raised. Uh, He had a brother. I don't have a brother. He had more than a dozen kids. I have three children. Uh, He was a rancher and a farmer and an agrarian type guy, and I'm anything but that. He had all kinds of family drama, and while I do have some family drama that takes place and rears its head from time to time, I don't have the amount of drama that he had with his brother, with his, uh, his, well, his children, the issues that, that arose there with Laban, his father-in-law. I mean, there were a number of different places where he had a great, well, a great bit of issue. Uh, you might not have a whole lot in common with Jacob, but we do have one thing in common, and I'll just speak for myself, and you should speak the same way. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you should feel this way. We have in common the truth that we see in verse 10. We could all share this sentiment that Jacob spend, or speaks here when he says, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. We've been given far above, no matter what you've been given, we've been given far above what we have merited in ourselves, in mercy and in truth. And we know in this age that we... Consider, and we have the entirety of the Lord's Word, we know that that falls very nicely into that file that says grace on it. We understand that. That unmerited favor that we've all been gifted who have believed and received that from the Lord. Now, Jacob was calling out to God here. He was identifying his own abundance, and he speaks naturally. But it extends to other things, of course. But looking at the natural of it, in the second half of this 10th verse, he says, For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. He came, well, with not much to his name, having left his father and mother, gone to make 
a life for himself and find a wife. He, he found two and, and had children and, and an abundance of wealth that came as he worked for Laban, even though his wages were changed a number of times and so on and so forth. He'd become wealthy. He'd become fruitful. He had, well, he'd received more than he felt worthy of. And I can say amen to that in the natural to begin with. I feel like I have been blessed abundantly, naturally speaking, more so than I'm worthy of. And that's not just modesty or humility or anything of that sort. That's fact. I mean, we've everyone in this room has been blessed abundantly more than perhaps the majority of the people in this world, naturally speaking. You might claim for yourself that you have earned those things. We have earned these clothes. We've worked for our finances. We've worked for our material wealth and that sort of that sort of thing. Uh, I watched a movie when I was a kid. It was a kind of a favorite in our household. It was Shenandoah. I don't know if anyone knows that ancient movie. I might have quoted it from the pulpit before because it comes to mind often when I'm studying. But uh, it was Jimmy Stewart, and he said a prayer for his meal as he sat there with his family. And I did take the liberty of copying it down. Sometimes we can have this attitude uh, that this man had when he said, Lord, we cleared this land, we plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it. We cooked the harvest, wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you, Lord, just the same for our food we're about to eat. Amen. (laughs) You know, we can sometimes have that attitude. Naturally speaking, I worked for this, you know, and sure you did. Uh, But you know what? The fact of the matter is, and well, we understand our breath is in the Lord's hands, our very breath. And if he doesn't want you to work another day in your life, he could hold you by the scrub of your neck, as it were, and go, pink, and take your legs from you, or pink, take your hands from you, or whatever the case might be. He has your life in his hand, and so whatever you do, naturally speaking, it's because the Lord has allowed that to be so. Without him, you wouldn't have the capability to do such things. He says, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches in John 15. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And again, Jesus didn't brag. He just spoke matter-of-factly and truth. We know quite famously these days, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you know what wouldn't be any less true if we said, I can do all the things that I do only because Christ strengthens me. That's the, that's the fact of it. That's the truth of it. He's the one that enables that. So again, we're not worthy of the, of the natural things that he has given us. We might have worked hard and harvested the land and all of those things, so to speak, but the Lord gave us the very capability. How much less am I worthy the spiritual and eternal things that he has blessed me with? If the riches of this life are beyond my merit and my worth, how much, how much more unworthy am I of the eternal riches, those things that Paul spoke of in, in Ephesians 3, that he prayed that somehow we might begin to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And Paul recognized, and I recognize, and you do, I'm confident, you recognize that the riches of of God's glory, are beyond our comprehension, much less our well being worthy of it outside of the Lord's making us so. Romans 11.33, Paul just cries out. He makes that exclamation. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Very much like what Jacob said in regards to mercy and the understanding that comes from the Lord. The depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
how unsearchable, how vastly uncomprehensible they are, and his judgments and his ways past finding out, he says. How unworthy, how unworthy are we of such things? And again, in ourselves, to say we're quite unworthy, that's eh, kind of an understatement. And yet, the Lord offers abundantly, and I praise him for that. I want it understood as we start winding this down. Tonight, I'm not sitting here saying, you're not worthy. You know, you need to bow your heads, you need to stay humble, and we need to keep quiet and all of these things. I'd say it's exactly the opposite, actually. You know, we've, we've spoken a number of times here recently about the, well, about the state of mind that can come with being a child of God. And while we are intended to be modest and we're intended to be humble and the like, there's a measure of dignity and there's a measure of strength and there's a measure of confidence that should come in being a child of the Most High God. It should just come to us, again, I would say naturally, but it should come to us supernaturally because we are children of a supernatural God. And so what we do is not hang our heads and think, oh, I'm so unworthy in myself. We should consider that he made us worthy in himself, made us worthy by the blood of Jesus, made us worthy by simply our accepting in faith what he has done for us. And so he has deemed that we are worthy of receiving all that we are willing to receive. And so what do we do? Hang our heads and cup our hands and sit in quiet silence and just hope not to be stepped on by this God who loves us so? Uh, perish the thought. Psalm 18 and verse 1. The only thing that we can do and the only thing that we should do in return to God is give Him everything He is worthy of. David's another one I don't have a lot in common with, but I have enough in common with that we agree in this. When he says, I will love you, Lord. I will love you, O Lord. My strength, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He is the means and the way by which I do any and everything. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy himself to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Identify what God does despite our unworthiness and praise the Lord in our gratitude. Praise the Lord in our appreciation and our worship as David did. That's what the victorious ones will do. One more passage for you in Revelation 4. We've considered this a number of times recently. Let's apply it in this circumstance. This is what the victorious, most highest ranking and full overcomers are going to do. They're going to praise the Lord. They're going to cry out His worthiness throughout eternity. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, Revelation 4.9, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. And honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Again, reiterating that thought. Without him, we wouldn't exist, much less sow, reap, harvest, and eat of those things that are the sweat of our brow brings about. Praising God is altogether at the same time, simultaneously, the very least that we can do, and the greatest of our efforts in our lives, the greatest thing that we can do with this life. Uh, we can agree with Jacob. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. We aren't deserving of those things, naturally speaking. But he has, spiritually speaking, made us worthy. And so, 
I will praise him, won't you? It's not a depressing thing to think of us being unworthy in ourselves. It's just the opposite. It's overjoying, if that is a word. It's something that makes joy, makes, well, should stir, stir that joy in our hearts. It's quiet in here just now. It might be quiet when we pray. But at any given time, whether it's here, whether we're at the altar, whether we're in our car, whatever the case might be, there is no shame. <laughs> no shame in letting out a crying out to the Lord God in praise and thanksgiving because he counts us worthy who are unworthy. Saints, he's entirely worthy. He is worthy of my every praise.